much. I appreciate that, Eleanor. Got my Christmas bowl up here and everything. So some surprises in there. But it's good to, to see you all tonight. And thank you. Nathan's already said, we just, um, it's so good to see friendly faces out there. Thank you for coming out on a cold winter's evening. And, and um, it's uh, family here today, isn't it? Um, we look out and see so many people that have really become family to us. And that's special here at Christmas time as well. I am not going to just talk tonight and not let you guys away with talking. Um, you're going to do some participation. Is that okay? Can we participate tonight? Yeah? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really, I'm actually going to interview you guys a bit and, and maybe ask for a little bit of response. And then I'll, I've got something that I do want to share um, at the end as well. So maybe just by a show of hands, can we say, who's, who's a fan of Christmas pudding and who's not? Christmas pudding? Yeah? Or what about not? Not, yeah. I think... I think the knots just about have it on that one. I'm, I'm certainly not a fan. How about, what, what, what's your ideal Christmas? Would your ideal Christmas be a small, intimate gathering or a big, loud gathering? Small, intimate? Anyone? Me? I, I'm, I'm that way. What about big, loud family gatherings? Yeah, we've got some of those as well. It's a bit of a tricky one because Alini and I are the opposites on that one, aren't we? And the opposites on the next one. Who likes the, the, the Christmas lights outside the house and who doesn't? Christmas lights outside the house. No, mine, mine's firmly down. And those that say not. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a not person. And lastly, movies. I know there's so many good Christmas movies, aren't there? And so really, well, I've only written two down here, so I'm sorry. But Home Alone or A Christmas Story. So votes for Home Alone. Yeah, me. I'm definitely a Home Alone. What about a Christmas story? Yeah, there's a few in there. Home Alone definitely takes it on that one. So um, appreciate your participation, but that's not where it ends. Um, This is unplugged, so I have an opportunity to just kind of really hopefully interact a little bit more with the audience. And so that's where my bowl comes in. And there are some randomly generated questions in here written on Christmas cards, um, and I'm going to interview some people in the audience. Now, before you get too nervous, I'm not picking on anyone who can't handle it, okay? So don't stand up and leave. I promise I'm not going to pick on anyone who, who can't handle it. So the first Christmas card, this is a, a well, this is a, a question for Christian Thorpe. You know him? This guy here up on the, on the left of my left, your right. Christian, what was the first Christmas present you remember Caroline buying for you? Can you remember? And if not, why? <laughs> What's the first Christmas present? She's away, so you're, you're not under pressure. I don't think she's here, is she? Oh, wow. Wonderful. That's great. That's great. Well done. Great. Good answer. Under, under, a, under a lot of pressure. I'll, I'll check with her after to see if it's true. Next one. Um, this one is for... This one's for Paul Stokes. Paul's at the back. But Paul, what's your favorite Christmas carol or Christmas song? 
Do you have one? Not <laughs> Slade, oh. Oh. That's a good one. No, that's a good one. This is the elder of the church here. The next one, the next one is for, for Eleni Robbins, and it says when was the last time Stephen Robbins surprised you with a Christmas gift? <laughs> Moving swiftly on. There is an explanation for that. Um, I, I'm bad with surprises, and I always get it wrong. So really, um, I just check with her first. So is that terrible? That's terribly un romantic or unoriginal, isn't it? But yeah, she's right. Yeah, I know. Nathan, Nathan Butcher. No, this is it's a really easy one, really. What are some of the items on your Christmas wish list this year? And um, Joanna, take notes. She's a student, Nathan. She's a student. Yeah. Okay. But that's, it's on your wish list. Okay. It's good. With God, all things are possible, Nathan. And this one's actually for me. I don't want to, you know, shirk all the, the pressure here. So this one's for, for me. Tell us a little bit about Christmas as a child and what some of your earliest Christmas memories are. Well, I guess for me, I'm prepared for this one. Um, for me, you know, I, I grew up in South Africa, Christmas. So for me, Christmas was warm, uh, not cold at all. So for me, I, I remember going to my grandparents for Christmas. We lived a little distance away from my grandparents. So we'd always go make this annual pilgrimage um, to, to my grandparents' house. And my grandparents have five kids. So they had this big six-bedroom house. And, uh, and our family, we just used to gather there and have a wonder, absolutely wonderful time. And um, it was great memories with, with family. But also, generally speaking, we'd have Christmas dinner, the traditional British Christmas dinner. But then we'd be out in the back garden uh, playing cricket usually on, on a Christmas afternoon uh, with all my cousins and aunts and uncles. And, and then always Boxing Day, we'd go to see my dad's side of the family. And uh, so that was at, always at my Uncle John's house. And we would, we would, he had a pool. So we were in the pool on Boxing Day, just in the sunshine, having a picnic in the garden. Absolutely wonderful. So real suffering, I tell you. Um, real hard childhood. Um, but there you go. Those are some of my earliest Christmas memories. And I, there is one, one last question, actually, before um, I move on. And this one is for, now, I think I'll pronounce it right, Kevin Albus. Oh, Kev. So, so this one here says this. It says, it's a multiple choice, so you're okay. You, you, you're good. It's a multiple choice. If someone bought a Liverpool shirt for you for Christmas, what would you do? A, take it as a word from the Lord. B, pretend to dislike it, but secretly wear it in the house and when you slept at night. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or C, throw it in the Christmas fire. Honesty. <laughs> or another. <laughs> uh, there we go. Put you on the spot there. I couldn't, I couldn't resist that one, Kev. Thanks. <laughs> um, I haven't heard the score tonight, by the way, um, just so you guys know. I don't know what's happening there. Um, so really, I mean, we can have, we can have fun, uh, and it's important that we do have fun at church. We can, we can have jokes, and we can enjoy the trimmings of Christmas, the lights, the Christmas trees, all that surrounds it, singing the Christmas carols, having the family time, and I think that's, that's so important. Uh, but it's also important that we remember the real meaning of Christmas. We remember the fact that Jesus Christ, it's the season where we remember that Jesus Christ came uh, and he was born onto this earth, and that's what we remember at Christmas time. So yes, it, the, the trimmings and everything else is fun, uh, but it is also uh, about us remembering Jesus Christ and his birth. And, and we saw that so beautifully through the, the kids' uh, production uh, last week, and they just did just a wonderful job. And and I just wanted to really quickly, I'm not going to be long at all tonight. In fact, I'll, I'll put my watch on there just so that I, I do keep a track of time. And just read one verse, and that's John 1, verse 14. And, and it sums up really the whole meaning behind the Christmas season. I absolutely love this verse. It says this, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And really, when they say the Word, if you read the whole context of the Scripture, it's talking about the Word being the Son of God, um, who really, at this time, it's this season that we remember that He became flesh, the birth of Jesus, something that we, we really become so familiar with, something that we almost take for granted as the, the Christmas story that we hear every year, but it's the Son of God coming down been born as a man here on earth. The Son of God already existed, of course. He was already existing, but He was sent by the Father on a rescue mission. And that's really the beauty of the, the message of Christmas, that we don't serve a God who is somewhere in heaven, aloof, um, not really caring about us, just saying, well, this is the marks you have to meet to please me. Uh, go ahead, try your best, see if you can please me. Um, that's not our God. Um, he's also not a God who started life as a man and then lived such a great life that he eventually ascended into being God. No, he was already God. And he was sent on a rescue mission because he saw the hopelessness of man. And so it's, it's such a, a beautiful and important uh, thing to remember. The message version in the same verse, it actually says, he moved into the neighborhood. Or if you read into the root of the, the meaning, it actually says he actually pitched his tent amongst, amongst us. And so it's a beautiful illustration. I mean, if you were our neighbors, if you moved into our neighborhood and became our next door neighbors, uh, I think you would probably really get to know us <laughs> in another way than you know us right now. That's for sure. I was chatting to my neighbor yesterday as I was coming out the house and, and apologizing for the noise levels because they certainly are high now. And, and we live on the end of a terrace of houses, so he's got a, a wall. There's no escaping for him. But even the thought of pitching a tent amongst us, it, it seems kind of almost far-fetched. 
But um, for me, it actually really just, as I was reading it again, struck a chord. I was just talking to my sister on the phone, and, and she was talking about coming down and visiting us. And we've got a family of five, and they've got a family of five, and our house is not big enough. And she actually said to me, Stephen, we're gonna, we can just come and we'll pitch a tent in your back garden because they're avid campers. And, and at first I thought she was joking. Um, and then I realized she wasn't joking. And it started thinking, I was started thinking through this scenario in my head. You will really get to know people well if they pitch a tent in your back garden, don't they? You will really get to know them on a very intimate and practical level, sharing the kitchen and sharing the bathrooms and sharing everything, pitching a tent in your back garden. I didn't know how I was going to explain it to the neighbors, uh, but if it happens, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. But it's a great illustration of how God left his lofty perch, as it were, in heaven and came down and lived among us, got to know us on such an intimate level that he can relate to every little part of us, that he knows us inside out like somebody would if they pitched a tent in our back garden. Um, God was willing to come down and be amongst us. And, and we can obviously talk about the, the illustration of a child as well. And as I was preparing yesterday, I just looked at little Bella. She was lying on the floor on a, on a, on a, um, a blanket and, and doing her little tummy time thing. And, and I just looked down at her and I thought, wow, she's just so helpless, so harmless, so um, vulnerable. And isn't it beautiful that God in heaven, who created us all, was willing to come down, make himself so vulnerable like a little baby that let's think the practical things. He had to fall over and learn to walk and, and stumble and, and all of those things, yet he was fully God and fully man. So I absolutely love that thought. And it, it also talks about we've seen his glory. And obviously it, it's, it's referring to eyewitnesses who saw everything that Jesus did when he was here, the miracles that he did. The shepherds obviously were eyewitnesses and, and saw his glory and the Christmas story as we read it. The disciples got to see his glory in, in, in just amazing, practical, upfront ways as, they, as he did miracles. But if you're here today and, and, and you're a Christian, you've also in some ways seen his glory as well, haven't you? You've seen your eyes have been opened, as it were, to the glory of God in a special, in a spiritual way. But also, really the greatest miracle of all, the greatest glory of all, is seeing lives changed, isn't it? And so we do get to see a little bit of the glory of God, to see, a, as it were, a sinner becoming a saint, to use traditional words, but really to see somebody turn their lives around, not turn their lives around, but have God turn their lives around, because He is a God of miracles. So in some ways, we are eyewitnesses of His, his glory. But just as I, as, I, as I finish up, just one other thought that comes through so strongly in these verses is that He's a God of grace and truth. And, and, and those two words, you could, you could, I could preach for half an hour just on those two words, but I won't. Um, but such a beautiful interplay or such a beautiful contrast, those two words, that, that word grace and truth. The message version says it like this. He's generous inside and out, yet true from start to finish. Our God of grace is, is always loving and always forgiving. Yet also he's a God of truth. He, his truth never changes. His truth is always the same, not adapting for the times, but the truth of God is never changing. 
You know, there's such security in that, isn't there? There's such security. And that's why I believe uh, as a Christian today, you can stand here if you believe in Jesus Christ and you're a Jesus follower. You can stand in such security because we serve a God who is never changing. A God is truth. The truth is there yesterday, today, and forever. And so there's a security in knowing when we go to God, His response, His character is always going to be the same. And how secure is that? But also, yes, He's a God of truth, but He's also an always loving and an always forgiving God. A God that says, that reaches down. If we go back to the beginning, that thought of God up in heaven reaching down, coming down, and loving us. And so that's what we remember so, so, so much in this Christmas season. You see, it was just the start when Jesus Christ came down. It was the start, I said it earlier, the greatest rescue mission ever. But not only that, it was the greatest love story ever as he redeemed his people. But also, if you're, if you're a Jesus follower, it's also the best ending ever. Because we know that our hope is secure in Jesus Christ. And so as I, as I just bring um, this part of the service to an end, I wonder if we could just bow our heads and, and just take a moment um, of self-reflection. You know, God, God went to, to the greatest lengths possible to love us, to reach down to us. I'll read that verse again. The Word became flesh. In other words, the Son of God became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth.